1 Corinthians 16, I'm going to start out there. Uh, this was Paul uh, giving the Corinthians his travel plans and plans to visit them and whatnot. And he says this. He says, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a door of great opportunity stands wide open for me, but there are many opponents. Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is awesome. It's living. It's true. It's powerful. Lord, we just thank you for a great time of worship. We thank you for Nathan and his team and the, using their gifts and talents to glorify you and to lead us in the worship. Now, Lord, as we get into your word, Lord, we just ask that you continue to open us up, our minds, our hearts, our spirits, to recognize, to receive, and more importantly, to apply your word to our lives. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to speak to all of us during this time. And Lord, let there be a word or a phrase or something that jumps out at all of those here. And Lord, help me as I preach your word. Lord, I need your anointing. Lord, I cannot do this on my own, nor do I want to. I need your help, Holy Spirit. Lord, we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I'm excited uh, about 2016, what us uh, approaching, knocking on the door, just a couple of days away from a new year. I'm excited about all the opportunities that we're going to have in this, this, this coming year. Amen. A lot of them we don't even know. We don't even know what they are, but I just, I have a sense as I was preparing this evening that, you know, there's going to be great opportunities, opportunities to be used by the Lord in 2016. Do you believe that? And in, in, in a quickly, uh, um, a rapidly uh, declining society that we live in, the more that the society continues to tank, the greater the opportunities there will be. Amen. I don't know about y'all, but but I'm excited about that. I'm excited for those 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 opportunities that we'll have in this coming year. But with most opportunities, as Paul said, comes opposition as well, right? With, with most opportunities comes opposition. As Pastor Todd always says, good and bad travels on parallel tracks and often arrives at the same time. So these two things go hand in hand, as the Apostle Paul says. So tonight, we're going to look at a part of, 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 of Nehemiah's story in the Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah, and how he overcame great opposition. I just want to give you a little background before we start reading in there. You see, the walls of Jerusalem have been laid in ruins since the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. But then under Nehemiah's leadership and the inhabitants of Judea, they rebuilt the entire wall, listen to this, in only 52 days in the fall of 445 B.C. So they had this great task of rebuilding the wall of, of, of Jerusalem, the whole wall around. Pastor Kelly's been, you heard him last week or Sunday talked about, he's been there. He's been, anybody else been to Israel? Awesome, awesome. I know Pastor Kelly rubs it anytime he can to, to tell me that he's been. Not really, he doesn't really do that, but I know. But so he's actually seen it. You've seen the old Jerusalem, right? And is the wall still standing today? Is the, around the old Jerusalem? It's built on top. Okay, all right, awesome. So they did it in 52 days. But Nehemiah faced both external and internal opposition to all that God was directing him to do. During this time, he refused, listen, to be discouraged, intimidated by difficulties or threats against him. Now remember this as a backdrop as we start reading through these scriptures. We're going to read through a lot in, in chapter 4. Remember, he, was, he wasn't discouraged or intimidated by any difficulties or threats against him. He consistently depended on the Lord to overcome this opposition for wisdom and for the blessing on his work. Tonight I want to speak to you about overcoming opposition. About overcoming opposition. Because once again, first and foremost, you might be facing some opposition, some spiritual opposition right now. 
And you might say, well, you know what, Brandon, I, I'm really not facing too much spiritual opposition, but, but I'm facing opposition in the workplace, at my job, with my family, maybe with my spouse. You know, but ultimately, you know, sometimes we, we, we look at troubles and oppositions and people coming against us and we just, we just keep it on the surface. You know, my brother was a part of a ministry and they used to have a saying and they would always say, what's really going on? And what that means is that when something was happening on the natural, they would say, what's really going on? In other words, look for the spiritual implication here. The enemy might be trying to get you off your rocker, so to speak, right? Now, again, we can't blame everything on the enemy, but if there's an ongoing opposition that's really getting you out of your box and getting you maybe discouraged or frustrated, remember, it's probably spiritual opposition. Once again, another great man of God that, well, y'all know Pastor Larry was here. He spoke at the men's conference earlier this year, came here, spoke on Sundays in July. His dad started the church at Bethany, and he asked his dad, and you've probably heard me say this, and he said, Dad, after 50-something years of ministry, what is one thing you can tell me? If you can tell me about one thing that you learned in all your 50-something years of ministry and pastoring the church, what would it be? And he told Pastor Larry this, Brother Roy said, people are not your enemy. That's a word for somebody here tonight, just right there. People are not your enemy. And so, you know what, if you're facing opposition, it might have a natural face to it, but remember, we have one enemy, and it ain't people, okay? Amen? So we'll see, we'll see. Nehemiah faced a lot of, most of, I mean, his opposition it had the face of people. So let's look at how Nehemiah overcame this opposition, didn't get discouraged or intimidated. And how we can apply it to our life. And I'm going to just say it in the person, every other, these points of, of, for us. Number one, the way we overcome opposition is by making prayer a priority. Making prayer a priority. If you're in Nehemiah, look at Nehemiah chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 right now. We're just going to, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but as we go through, uh, I'm going to read the majority of it. But Nehemiah 4 in verse 1 says this, Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. This is Nehemiah speaking. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samaritan army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do you think they can build the wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? That was not only were they mocking their work, but they were mocking obviously their religion. Do they actually think they can make something out of stones from a rubbish heap and charmed ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. Then I prayed, hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Now look at verses 8 and 9. It says, they all made plans to come and fight against us, Jerusalem, and, and come to fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But what did they do? But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. See, Nehemiah was being mocked. By people, had people wanting to come up against him and fight him, but he prayed intensely for God to stop those who opposed God's will for him and his people. See, Nehemiah made it a practice to cry out to God in his time of need. He made prayer a priority. 
In order to accomplish a, a great feat like rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem around this whole city, after you gotta remember, it's not like, like this construction site out there where it's, it's clean and, 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 you know, ready to go. If you read the book, they had to remove, it was, the, the walls had, had been torn down years before, so they had to first remove all this rubbish and all this trash and then start building. And remember, they did all that in 52 days to try to give you a picture of it. Nehemiah knew that prayer had to be a priority in this project. I want to encourage you again, prayer has to be a priority in this project. And you know, in the pro- this project of life, whatever's coming down the pipe in 2016, whatever you're going through again. I know we talk about it often, but listen, this is why we're having 21 days of prayer and fasting starting Monday, church. On Monday morning, we're going to start our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Why do we do this each and every year? Because I love the heart of our founding pastor and our current pastor. They know they keep prayer a priority. They know the best way to start off the new year is not by going to the gym. That's a good way to start off the year. I saw a little you know, picture on Facebook the other day. It was like a packed crowd and it said, this is going to be the gym in two weeks. That's a good thing. It's good if you could start going to the gym and doing all that. But the mo- more important is the priority of prayer. It's starting off our year in a corporate time of prayer and fasting. Amen. You know, because again, Paul says physical exercise is good, and that is good. But he said training for godliness is even better because it benefits this life and the life to come. We need to keep prayer a priority. So starting on Monday, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Next week, we're going to have three prayer meetings a day, 6 a.m., Noon and 6.30 p.m., Monday through Saturday. On Saturday, the morning prayer meeting will be at 8. And then the following week, we're going to have prayer meetings all uh, all week long in the evenings. And then the same thing in the second one. We'll, 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 we'll show you, get you more details of that, uh, where it's going to be. We'll be on our Facebook page and our website and whatnot. Uh, we'll have nights where it's specific, I think, in the third week, where it's going to be specific. You know, one night the men, one night the women, one night the youth. Um, an overflow service on January 22nd. Amen. But we make prayer a priority. But listen, I want, so I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, pray. I, I begin to pray this week. It's like the light bulb went off. Like I would encourage you, if you plan on participating in this 21 days of prayer and fasting, to begin to pray about it now. I always pray the week or so before, Lord, start preparing me. Prepare my mind. Prepare my heart. Prepare my spirit. Prepare me emotionally, Lord God, for this. Like, why would you pray to prepare emotionally? I don't know if you know, but when you, when you decide to stop eating... You get pretty emotional. Y'all laughing because you know it's true, right? We, we have an emotional tie to food. And it, it, it's the truth. You know, I'm not going to get into all that, but it's true. Prepare you. Ask the Lord to prepare you. Prepare you mentally. Because you, your mind's going to tell you that you're dying and you're really not. Right? If your mind's going to scream you're, you're, you're dying. You need to eat. You're crazy. And you can say, look, I'm already crazy. So I'm just going to keep going. Right? So I want to encourage you. To be a part of this 21 days of prayer and fasting. But don't stop there. Make prayer a priority the rest of the year. Because, you know, it's great to have this time of prayer and fasting. But listen, we not only need prayer to prepare us for the year, but we need prayer to preserve us the whole year. Yeah, that, that is good. Thank you, baby. That's a good word right there. We need prayer to prepare us and preserve us throughout, throughout our whole life. Right? We need, we need to make prayer a priority. And we continue to speak on this because we see it that many, many Christians, many people that are Bible-believing Christians don't make prayer a priority in their life. 
And it must be, Jesus said, when you pray, when you fast. He didn't say if you pray or if you get time or if you decide to. He, he just automatically assumed that as Bible-believing Christians, we're going to pray. Amen? Nehemiah made it a priority to accomplish the task. He had great opposition. We need to make prayer a priority as well. Amen? So how many of y'all in 21 days of prayer and fasting starting Monday? Amen? All right, it's going to be awesome. Again, good and bad travels on parallel tracks. It's going like, it's, it's to be, you know, hard. And, and just, you know, at times you're going to feel like, you know, just like crud. And at the same time, it's, it's going to be glorious. Amen. It's something about it. Like I, I heard a man of God say, it's just, it's kind of a, it's, it's crazy how it happens. And one, and one, you can be all ornery and like aggravated and got a headache because your blood sugar is low. But at the same time, your spirit's soaring. And you're the closest to God you've been in a while, right? You're getting revelation. You're reading and just like, at last, like, oh, man, at last. Like every word of the Bible, just like, you know, the people. Oh, the people. I've never saw that before. There were people. You know, I'm serious. though. like, but every bit of the word just like begins to just, just illuminate, just pops out at you. Amen? Amen. And then number two, be enthusiastic in every opportunity. Be enthusiastic in every opportunity. Look at Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6. It says this, At last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. It said the people worked with enthusiasm. They were excited about the work and the opportunity the Lord had given them. Amen? They didn't look at it as like, oh, we got this huge task, man. It's going to be so hard, man. I, you know, they worked with enthusiasm. That's one of the reasons they was able to do it so fast. Listen, whether that's working at your everyday work or working for the Lord, do it with enthusiasm. Let me, yes, amen. Let me camp out on your everyday work. Do it with enthusiasm. Some of y'all look like if y'all had stones, like Kelly said last Sunday, y'all would be having a rock concert for me right now. I know you go to work sometimes and you don't feel enthusiastic. I, I get it. Look, I understand. I don't always wake up like super chippy. I understand. I know how it is. But listen, overall, we need to have a mindset of enthusiasm. Why? Well, you know what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He says, so, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Listen. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. And this is the key. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. You see, I feel like the reason why I believe or I know according to Scripture, the reason why people sometimes don't have enthusiasm for serving the Lord because they think that things that they do are useless. But Paul's trying to encourage us. Nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. But see, that's the hard thing about, about walking in the Spirit. Because you know what? When, things, when you're doing things in the Spirit, when things are happening in the Spirit, you can't always see them, touch them, or feel them. But you know what? Just like prayer being a priority, you know what? You have to know that everything you do, whether it's praying, whether it's reading your Bible, whether it's fasting, whether it's witnessing, whether it's being a light, whether it's going to work on time, whether it's having a good attitude on the job, whether it's, it's having integrity on your job, all that it's for a purpose. It's not useless. Amen? And I believe if you get that inside of you, that everything we do is for a purpose, and we do it on purpose, unto the glory of God, then we'll have more enthusiasm. Amen? 
Are y'all tracking with me? We need to be enthusiastic about serving the Lord. We need to be excited. Not humdrum, not woe is me. Now, listen, I understand, I get it, that we all have hard days. We have tough times. Sometimes we're just tired. Sometimes just, again, our blood sugar may be low. You know, and I, I say that jokingly, but, you know, there are studies that show that most fights between married couples happen between 5 and 5.30 when they get home. You know why that is? Because they're hungry. Gary Chapman said that while he was here. That's a, that's a real thing. But you know what? I understand, you know, eat you a snack and get happy and enthusiastic, all right? Amen? But know that everything you do is for a purpose. Be, listen, be more, let's, let's be more purposeful in 2016. Amen? Let, let's, let's, let's be more, more purposeful in everything we do on a regular basis, even at work. And, and think about it. Okay, people are watching me. I'm doing this. Even if your boss is the biggest jerk in the world, remember, the Bible says, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. So even if, if you have the hardest boss, you don't treat you fairly, things are not going right, they pass you over for promotion, you didn't get a raise, whatever it may be, remember, I'm doing this unto the Lord. And ultimately, again, because we can't see it, we're going to have a great reward eventually. That's what he said. Remember, it's not useless because, one, you don't know who's watching you. You don't know the people that are at work that you, they might never think. They might be the biggest ones opposing you, opposing you of your Christianity. At school, young people, they might be the biggest ones that are opposing you at school. They don't want to have nothing to do with your faith, with your God, with your Jesus. But you never know. If you stay faithful, if you continue to serve the Lord enthusiastically, no matter what you're doing, you never know. You might get to heaven one day and somebody comes up to you and says, Miss Clara. Well, a lot of people are coming to Miss Clara. So. But they might come up and say, you know what? You never knew this, but I watched you all this time. And I watched how you never, you never rode the clock at, at work. I watched how when people cursed you out, you didn't curse back. And I seen you with your Bible and I seen you praying. You might meet somebody in heaven and they tell you they got there because of you and the way you lived your life. And the way you was always enthusiastic about the Lord. I believe that's going to happen, church. I really do. I believe we're going to meet people in heaven that we had no idea the impact we had. I'm just trying to drive this home that nothing we do... Unto the Lord is useless, okay? We might not see it here again. It might not be something tangible that you can see on the earth, but it will be. If you, if you remember that, that'll help you to be more enthusiastic in all the opportunities God gives us. Amen? I believe there's going to be many, right? Amen. So number one, make prayer priority. Number two, be enthusiastic in every opportunity. Number three, be create, courageous for the cause. Be courageous for the cause. Look at Nehemiah chapter 4, beginning verse 11. It says this. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall and exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Let me say that again. Don't be afraid of the enemy. He is under your feet. You have authority over him, and he's a punk. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Man, that's a good word right there. 
Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your sisters, and your wives, your husbands, and your homes. And for your co-workers. Amen? Listen, the strongest motivation and hope Israel had was their great and glorious God who had delivered his people from mighty nations before. Another motivation for Israel was to protect their families and their properties. It's the same for us, church. You become full of courage when you realize how great and glorious God really is. That's when you become full of courage. When you, be, when you remember how great and how glorious the Lord is, as Pastor Kelly said Sunday, because he is for us. He's on our side. We've wrapped up the series about grace. We've been talking for weeks, what, six weeks or so about God's grace and how grace is all about the empowering God's assurance that he's for us, that he's on our side. This is what gives us courage in the face of the enemy, in the face of adversity, in the face of the biggest opposition we can face. God is on your side and he's great and he's glorious. Amen? This will help encourage us. Don't be afraid of the enemy. I love that. Don't be afraid. Our motivation is knowing that the great God of heaven, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is for us. He's on our side. And the next best reason, I love this, is you know what? So we don't lose our families. So we keep our families in a fight for your husband, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, your coworkers. Amen? That's the best thing we're fighting for, y'all. After souls and, 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 and standing up for Christ, it's our families. Amen? For, for you men, I always, I love speaking to men and challenging men. Listen, during this time of prayer and fasting, but wives too, whatever, you might be having a hard time in your marriage with your children. What better time during 21 days of prayer and fasting? But every day, you might have been warring. You may have been praying for the lost soul of your husband, of your wife, of your children, of, of your parents, or of, of someone, a loved one, a close friend, a classmate, a coworker. Listen, don't give up. It's worth fighting for. That's what Nehemiah was telling him. Listen, y'all, if anything, fight. Fight for your family. Fight for your loved ones. Fight for your brother and sister that's sitting next to you in the pew. Amen? Be strong and courageous. The Lord says that all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, he tells Joshua, be strong and very courageous. He's trying to impart courage unto us. Amen? So be courageous for the cause of Christ and for the cause of your family your immediate family, and the church family. Don't give up the fight. Fight the good fight of faith. It's worth it. 21 days of prayer and fasting. You might have something going on in your marriage, in your, again, in your home, and it's worth it. It's worth, you know, doing without some food, maybe turning off the TV, getting off of Facebook, getting, getting rid of the electronics for, for three weeks. It's worth it. It's worth it. Amen? So number three, be courageous for the cause. Number four, Keep the word close at hand. Keep the word of God close at hand. Look what it says in Nehemiah 4, 5 through 18. I'm explaining that in a minute. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half of my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. 
The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. I love that. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. I love that. Every single worker had a sword belted to their side. We know Ephesians six seventeen says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The Old Testament is a picture in the natural of us in the, in, in the spiritual. We know that, that, again, Paul refers to the, the word of God as the sword of the spirit. So when I say keep the word close at hand, listen, again, we all have to go to work day in and day out. And then we all have a work that the Lord has for us to do. But listen, keep the word close at hand. Keep the word in your heart. Keep the word afresh in your heart each and every day. Because you never know when you're going to need it. Amen? And again, you know, this is why we're encouraging you to take the one-year Bible reading challenge. If you've never read, read through the Bible we want to encourage you to do so. And if you have, like I, I, I do so every year and I love it. I'm not saying that to brag or anything, but I love one is it's I want the full counsel of God's word. But it's something about it. And, I, and I, I'm going to again, you know, we were, kind of, we were talking about this earlier. I'm going to say what I believe is, is, is very important. The timing is something about both prayer and reading the word, but reading the word first thing in the morning before you get your day started. It's like sharpening your sword. Amen. You know, I forgot, I think it was Abraham Lincoln said, if you're going to spend, uh, if you're going to spend eight hours chopping down a tree, spend an hour sharpening the axe. Well, guess what? A lot of us go to work for about eight hours, right? The best thing you can do is, is keep that word close, strap on. It's like, if you look at the picture of Nehemiah, it's like strapping on the sword before you get out there. Nehemiah didn't say, hey, put your sword close by and put it somewhere where you can find it or where, where you know you can go. Listen, there's something about it. It's amazing, church. And I found this over the years, even before I was a pastor, that, you know, as I got into the word daily, when I begin to talk to somebody or if a problem arose or something happened, scriptures would come up that I didn't even realize that I had memorized. You know, somebody told me years ago, God can do anything, but he can only bring to remembrance scriptures that are in there. Amen. So you got to get them in there afresh. I want to challenge you. If you've never read through the, the whole entire Bible, you know what? We're gonna, it's in two days, actually. The, the first of the year, there's many different ways to do it. You can go in the lobby. I know there's, Miss Covey, I don't know. I know there's a, a um, Visqueen. Is there the, the Bible reading planes are still available out there? They are? Okay, awesome. So you can grab, a, if you want a paper one, you can grab one of those in the lobby. I use that one. I've been using that one for like five years or so. I like that. I read my paper Bible. I check it off, and I enjoy that one. If you're more electronic and you want to do the U version, they have a one-year Bible reading plan. We also have one-year Bibles in the coffee shop that you can purchase. However way to do it, I want to encourage you, start January 1st. Start January 1st. I was reading through Nehemiah, finishing up my, my one-year plan. Uh, and as I'm just, I just finished it up today. Uh, well, actually, actually, I didn't finish it up today. I'm in Esther now, but I just finished it up a couple of days ago. And it's just amazing how the Lord, obviously, you know, we minister, so we're, you know, we're, we're always giving the word. But it's amazing how many times, you know what, that I'm not even in there looking for a word for myself, my family, or to preach. But as I'm in the word daily, it's amazing how much stuff God will show you. Amen. I love it. There's nothing like the Word of God. And I'm telling you, church, I've said this before, too. I know a lot of y'all have heard me say it. But you know what? It's just like, like I can remember when I first got saved. And, 
you know, I used to drink a lot of sodas and drink all kind of other junk too. And I, I could tell I wasn't drinking enough water. When I got saved, I, I quit drinking alcohol, quit drinking, even quit drinking sodas because I wanted to get in shape. And I began to drink a lot of water. And what I noticed is the more water I drank, the more water my body craved. It's like my body realized, man, this is something that you need. Give me more of it. The word of God is the same way. You'll notice the more that you read the more word, the more that you're going to want to read, the more you're going to hunger for it, the more you're going to realize if you miss it, they're like, man, I didn't read the word today. Man, I can't wait till I get my hands on where I can sit down and get in God's word. You'll begin to crave it. Jesus says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. They shall be filled. So I want to encourage you, keep the word close at hand. You know, and and obviously nowadays you really literally have it on your phone everywhere. But I'm talking about that daily time where you're in the Word. And when you begin to get that in your spirit, you begin to transform your mind. You begin to get it in you. You'll be amazed, I'm telling you, how much the Holy Spirit will bring back to remembrance a scripture you read or begin to speak to you. As you're praying, see, reading the Bible and praying go hand in hand. As you're praying and fasting, you may be praying for an answer, for direction. And as you get in the Word daily, it might be something that you prayed for three days before. But you know what? Three days later, you might be sitting down in your Bible time and God answers your question right there. He answers your prayer. He gives you direction. He gives you some kind of guidance through his word. So just as Nehemiah and them, they kept the sword close by as they were doing their regular work and, and doing the project. They had the sword close to them, strapped on. Strap on the word of God and keep it close. Keep it in your heart. Amen. Number five, be ready to call on others for help. Be ready to call on others for help. This is one of the ways we overcome opposition. Look at Nehemiah 4, 19. Then I explained to the nobles and office officials and all the people, the work is very spread out, and we are all widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounded, then our God will fight for us. Through the trumpeter, Nehemiah could sound the alarm to direct workers to any portion of the wall that might be attacked. Listen, church, we were not meant to overcome opposition alone. We wasn't created that way. We wasn't designed that way. We were not made to overcome opposition alone. We were designed and created to be in community. We were designed and created to be in community. You can see every time that something big happened in the Bible, it always took God used a bunch of people. Not, not all, it didn't have to be like in the, the, the situation of Gideon where he had thousands, he had 300, but God always has us teaming up with others. I love that. They sound the alarm. They blew the trumpet and said, hey, we're getting attacked here. We need help right here. We, we, we don't want to fight this on alone. Even if you think you can do it, listen, call for help. Have somebody pray with you. Have somebody stand with you. Have somebody sit down and talk with you and encourage you. The Lord has created us to be in community, and that's why we need, obviously, church, fellowship in church. Paul says don't forsake uh, uh, meeting together as a practice of some. So obviously church on Wednesdays and Sundays in a corporate setting like this. Again, I'm going to continue to plug it. That's why we have corporate times of prayer and fasting. For any of y'all that fast, doesn't it make it easier when you know there's other people fasting with you, right? When you know there's other people, that, that's why we have prayer meetings. It makes it so much nicer when, if you can, instead of, you know, if you're fasting lunch and you're not eating lunch, man, if you can and you can, man, I know there's going to be a prayer meeting at church. I'm going to go to church and pray for lunch. That didn't a lot better. That didn't help out. You know that it might just be the, the opposition of, you know, your kitchen that you're going to have to face in 21 days. Amen. 
It's true. You know, and, and, and whatever it may be, it might be more something more serious. Call, be ready to call on others for help. They blew the trumpet. That's why life groups are so important. That's why we have life groups. Is you know what? That's why Cassie and I are kicking off, uh, you know, life groups for the young married couples. We had an awesome event uh, li- uh, earlier this month, and you know what? Again, young because young married couples in that season of life with children, you know what? They we need each other to to, to encourage one another. Nobody knows what it's like to have little babies, or maybe don't remember. It's just something about having a baby, having small kids, and what that's like going through that in a marriage, and 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 all this, and trying to live life and serve the Lord. We need each other. That's why we have life groups. If you're not in a life group, I want to encourage you to get in one. And that's why you need close friends and family. Amen? You need that, that David-Jonathan relationship, that Paul and Timothy, that, that close person, you know, that Paul and Silas, that, that, that just someone that, that will encourage you. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. We're not meant to do this thing alone. When we have opposition, listen, I tell you what, the enemy is going to throw more than just one dart at you. We need more than just one, to just be one person trying to, trying to fend off those fiery darts. Amen? Look what it says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. There's no way Israel was able to build that whole wall around Jerusalem. There's no way Nehemiah could have did that on his own. He needed a bunch of people to help him, and so do we. And I love this. I love how Nehemiah 4.20 says this. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, listen, rush to wherever it's sounding. In other words, come on and help. Then our God will fight for us. Call on help, and when people come, then our God will fight for us. What this shows us is that, you know what, God uses people to help you overcome opposition. It's still God helping you. It's still God fighting for you, but he's using other people. Amen? Did you see that? Sound the trumpet. Sound the alarm. People will come. Then God's going to fight for you. God uses other people, other brothers and sisters, to help to fight for us. Amen? And then the, the, the last thing, the final thing, is we must always be on guard. We must always be on guard. Nehemiah 4.21 says this, 21 through 23. We worked early and late from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were always on guard. I always told everyone living out, I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem, that they, they and their servants could help with guard duty at night and work during the day. During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. See, Nehemiah and the other leaders, what, they were not elitists who just kind of relaxed while everyone else was toiling and working hard. No, he knew that at any moment that the enemy could attack. So both him and everybody around them stayed on guard. Again, they stayed with their weapons on them. They didn't want to get caught sleeping. Amen? They didn't want to get caught slipping. We're encouraged to do the same thing. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 16, 13 and 14. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Again, be strong. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says this. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy is always looking for an opportunity to attack. That's why we must stay on guard. It says he prowls around. 
He's always on guard. And in that illustration, if you ever watch these animal shows or if you're a hunter at all, you notice that animals that are of prey, you know, you watch these shows and, and, and there's always predators rolling around. They're always on guard. You always see animals, wild animals like deer and different things. When they're eating, whenever they sip a little bit, then they get up and their ears are moving, right? They're always, they're all, they're, they sniff and they're always sniffing, checking out. They're, they're constantly on guard because they know that there's a lion or some kind of, in South Louisiana, it's not lions, but coyotes or whatever, that these deer and these different animals, we must be the same way, right? We got, we, Jesus calls us sheep. We like, we need to be like animals sometimes in the sense of staying alert. Staying alert. Don't get caught off guard. You know, and speaking of this prayer and fasting, I find that, you know, we can go through a time of prayer and fasting. I want to encourage you for the end result. We can go through a time of prayer and fasting, and then we get spiritually supercharged. We're the most heightened uh, to the spirit of the God, to the spirit of God, to the presence of God. To you ever notice if any of you, if you fast like TV and stuff during during prayer and fasting, after like not watching TV for almost a month, you ever turn the TV back on and you see a commercial and you're like, oh man. It's like it's that that stuff's just it's not but you you watch it for a few more months and you kind of get desensitized to it again, right? It's kind of the same thing spiritually. You know, even when prayer and fasting's over, stay on guard. Stay on you know, stay on guard spiritually. Be alert to what's going on around you. Be alert to temptation that comes your way, whether it be through entertainment or through people or, or through your own thoughts or the, through the thoughts of the, 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 that the enemy will try to, to, try to uh, throw at you. Always be on guard. When there's opposition, even this is more so even when there's not opposition, stay on guard. Amen? Stay on guard. Always be on guard. I want to close out with this. Nehemiah 6, this is a couple chapters later. Nehemiah 6 in verses 15 and 16, it says, So on October 2nd, the wall was finished, just 52 days after we begun. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized, listen to this, they realized this work had been done with the help of our God. All of their enemies and the surrounding nations knew that it was only by the help of the Lord that made such a great success possible. We need to realize the same thing. Once it's all over and we get over the opposition, we, 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 we get the victory, we get over that, we got to always remember and realize it was the Lord, the great and glorious God that has helped us out through it all. Amen. And make sure we remember him and give glory and honor to him. Why don't you get in and stand up with me as we close in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you, Lord. We, we thank you for this year. We thank you for 2015 and Lord, all the great opportunities that you gave us this year. And Lord, we're excited and looking forward to the opportunities that we're going to have in 2016. But Lord, just as we know, as the scripture says, as Paul said, even with great opportunity, we know comes great opposition. But Lord, we know just by looking at the life and, and the, the story of Nehemiah, Lord, there's many ways, many things that we can do to overcome opposition. Once again, your word says that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. But we know that you are on our side. We know that you are for us. And we thank you for that, Almighty Father. Whatever head bowed and every eye closed, you know, one of the biggest oppositions you may be facing right now could be God himself. And you're saying, well, Brandon, what do you mean by that? Well, if you're in here today and, and you don't know if God's for you, 
you don't know if, if, if God really, really loves you. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, if you've never heard the gospel that, that we've sinned and we're all sinners and we've broken God's laws and Jesus Christ, God's only son, came down, died on the cross, paid the penalty for our sins and wants to extend forgiveness and salvation to you. If you've never heard that, or maybe you've heard that and know that, but you're not sure if you're right with God, you're not sure if you're in a right relationship with God, you're not, you, don't, you don't know if all these things I'm talking about are for you, that probably means you're not right with God. If you say, Brandon, I don't know if, if, if I'm right with God. I don't know if I, if, if, I, if I don't see 2016 and slipped into eternity, where would I go? But I want to be right with God. I want to ask God to forgive me. I want a fresh start. I want to I give my life to Christ. I want to be saved. If that's you tonight, I just want you to slip up your hand and say, you know what, Brandon, can you pray for me? Because I want to make sure I'm in right standing with God. I'm in right relationship. If that's you, lift up your, lift up your hand and I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hand back here, man. Anybody else? Amen. Thank you, brother. Anybody else? I need to get right. I need to get my life right with Christ. Come on, brother, for, for, for this, this brother that raised his hand, come on, just pray with me. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins, he paid the price for you, just pray after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Lord, I ask that you would cleanse me I ask that you would help me. I ask that you wash me in your blood. Lord Jesus, give me the grace. Give me the power. Give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. Lord, I want to serve you. I want to be with you. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you pray that prayer for the first time for, for the, the man who raised his hand or anybody else, we want you to come down here after. we like to meet you and give you some materials. Now, before we leave, we still got a few minutes. I want to I take this time before we close. You know what? You might be going through opposition right now. There might be something you're going through right now that you said, man, I've been, I've been in the thick of it all of 2015. I don't have to wait for 16 for opposition. I've been in the thick of it, and, and I want somebody to stand and pray with me. We're going to close in prayer. If that's you tonight, don't leave without coming down to the altar and letting somebody pray with you. You might be, you know, and you maybe haven't called out to somebody for help, or you maybe have been, but you say, man, I'm still in the thick of it, and I need help. I need someone to pray. I need some prayer warriors. I need someone. I just need to be encouraged. You know, once again, we see it all through the Bible. Two are better than one. Let us stand with you. Let us pray with you. Amen. Well, Father, we just thank you for tonight and what you've done in here, what you've done in 2015, all that you're doing in us right now. And, Father, we're looking forward to 2016 and excited that you got even better. Your word says that, behold, you will do a new thing. You said it will be so great, we'll, even, we'll forget about the old, Lord. It will be not in the way that you've done it before. But, Lord, help us to not put you in a box, but to be open for when, what, and how you want to use us in 2016. Help us to always continue to know that we are overcome. We are victorious because your spirit is living inside of us. We have authority over all the powers of the enemy because of what you've done on the cross. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for souls that were saved tonight, lives that are being changed. Lord, continue to encourage, equip, and strengthen us as we move forward. Bless these as they go tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a happy and prosperous new year. If you need prayer, if you feel like you've been in opposition, want somebody to stand with you or need prayer for anything else, go ahead and come up here and we'll pray for you. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.